On this episode of the podcast, Josh tells us a tale of one of the most infamous trades in baseball history. You think you know it, but just you wait. Do you have any guesses? You know, um, the only major <laughs> one that comes to mind is, is Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> You're on. Ah, I thought I knew it. <laughs> and I waited. And well, it just out. you wait. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Just you wait. Ooh, a My Fair Lady reference for yeah. all the... Well, Love recline her. that sofa and listen that tie, because this is Mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sweezy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are discussing some MLB history. Warning to any and all Chicago Cubs fans, you had to know this was coming. Today, we cover the infamous Brock Fabrolio. Brock Frobolio. Yeah, have you heard of that one? I haven't, no. Really? It's actually pronounced Brockford Brolio. He's one man. (laughs) (laughs) One single man with four arms. He pitched and batted at the same time. Like Machamp. (laughs) Like the Pokemon Machamp. Honestly, Brock just makes me think of the legendary Pokemon Gym Master. Mm. Brock... Do you know name? his last name? Does he have a last name? No idea. <laughs> Brock Pokemon. Brock. Brock. The oh, first Brock, gym Brock. master in the game. Well, have you heard of Lou Brock? Um, yes. Is that the guy that made Mambo Number Five? No. No. The, this is the baseball player we're talking about today. Is Lou Brock and Ernie Brolio? So let me take us back to June sixteenth. 1964. We're going way, way back. Tumultuous. Mm-hmm. It was, a, it was a wild time. The Cold War was raging, I'm pretty sure. It was pretty spicy. <laughs> uh, but JFK, the... RIP. <laughs> yep, yep. Had to, had to go there. It's the 60s. <laughs> if you're not talking about assassinations of public figures... You're talking about the moon. That's fair, Westover. <laughs> right, that happened too. <laughs> All right, so on June 16, 1964, the Chicago Cubs struck a six-player deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cubs received Ernie Brolio, Bobby Shantz, and Doug Clements, while the Cardinals received Lou Brock, Jack Spring, and Paul Toth. Anyone not named Brock or Brolio is insignificant to this story, and I will not mention them again. <laughs> I like how you cut to the chase on that. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly, you know, let's just get to it. <laughs> This trade became simply known as Brock for Brolio, and just the phrase itself has a Wikipedia page where it's defined as a term used to to signify a trade that, in hindsight, turns out to be an extremely lopsided transaction. (laughs) That is the literal definition from Wikipedia. Go to the dictionary (laughs) and look at Brock for Brolio, it'll just have a face palm. So, in order to understand the context of this trade, we first need to talk about the Chicago Cubs of the 1960s. Mm. They were a mess. Yeah. They had 100 (laughs) years that just recently was, like, 
2016, they finally won the World Series. Yeah, so this is in the throes of that nonsense. Yeah. So in December of 1960, Cubs owner P.K. Wrigley announced that the Cubs would no longer be managed by a sole field manager. Instead, the team would be managed by a rotating eight-man committee known what? as the College of wait, Coaches. The wait. College of Coaches? <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. You're in charge of left field. I'll be in charge of right field. <laughs> it's like everyone, you get your own starter. This week. I got the pitcher and the catcher. <laughs> no, but I want the catcher. No. No. I my infield this week. <laughs> I just have the DH. Oh, they don't, don't exist. exist. Yeah. Ooh. Someone's been reading up on their baseball. <laughs> Boo. I actually just knew that one already. <laughs> I've not been studying. So, yeah, the College of Coaches, it's... Amazing. Yeah, you're gonna see how this little experiment goes and Not realize well. realize why no one does it to this day. No, it's the same again. reason why we don't have like five presidents mm-hmm. or six popes. So <laughs> the Cubs officially started this policy during spring training in nineteen sixty one. The committee was made up of the following Elvin quote L Tappy, uh Charlie Grimm, Goldie Holt, Bobby Adams, Harry Kraft. Verlin Walker, Ripper Collins, and VD Himsel. I the most it. baseball names. Yeah, if, those, yeah, if that isn't a group of white men from the 1960s, <laughs> I don't know what is. Ripper. <laughs> uh, the plan was this. Each member of the college would serve as, quote, head coach for part of the season. These coaches would rotate through the entire organization from the low minors all the way up to the Cubs themselves. So these wait, eight wait, men they would weren't even with the team the whole time. No, go to the they would go from from the like low low minors up through like triple A all the way up to the Cubs, and they would just put them on a rotation. That no, <laughs> no. What well, do you, you mean, West America? Yeah, <laughs> you can travel. You get to see most of Illinois for sure. <laughs> I'll let... Oh yeah, they're yeah they're low A is the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Baseball is so confusing to me. It, I thought they had the little cubby minor league. I thought they were one of those teams that kept the Cubs involved in the mascot. One game. of them is, but not their low A, because uh, oh. DJ Artist, a kid that I went to school DJ with. DJ the Artist. <laughs> the artist formerly known as DJ. He did not Plays play baseball. <laughs> oh, he does play baseball. Yeah. I was mistaken. He's he a got Pelican. drafted by the Cubs. Yeah. Turns out. So anyway, back, anyway back to something important. So, allegedly, this was supposed to foster a standard system of play. No. How? (laughs) One's philosophy is throw more fastballs. One's philosophy (laughs) is off-speed. Hear me out. One, swing Uh for the fences. We get eight different coaches. Uh Eight coaches? They they each spell out their own little plan. Uh Uh-huh. Then, little by little, the players will just know... A conglomerate of one. Yeah. Plan. Okay. Plans. But who plans is really one. But who decides on the master plan? The pitcher. Oh, okay. (laughs) So the pitcher's in charge. Well, whoever's pitching that day. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So when announcing the experiment, PK Ridley said, quote, managers are expendable. I believe there should be relief managers just like relief pitchers, unquote. Tampa Bay Rays, you may have needed one of those. <laughs> as horrible uh? 
as this plan is, that logic, I'm actually here for. <laughs> yeah. You might not need seven melee <laughs> managers. Seven but hey, guy gets burned out trying to coach team like for a whole 162 games, maybe needs a rest. I don't know. Some of these managers are pretty old, too. Well, it's funny that you talk about it like Tampa Bay, though, mm-hmm. because... Having a set time that a relief pitcher has to go in is exactly what they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'd be like and it was relief did not manager in three, two, one. Oh, you're six <laughs> innings deep. Manager. All right, good luck. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out having a rotated system of head coaches that shift with no rhyme or reason does not foster a standard system of play. Oh, there Damn. was no plan for the shift? No. So the Cubs rotated through four men in 1961 as quote-unquote head coach and another three in 1962. So they had seven head coaches over two seasons. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Each coach, unsurprisingly, had a different style of play and a different lineup, which just led to chaos on the field. And on top of that, there was apparent infighting between the coaches themselves, and each coach would try to turn players against the other coaches. Amazing. So you, you had a head coach on Monday who was your best friend, and then on Tuesday somebody else came in and they didn't like you because you were best friends with the other coaches. This They'd be like, is, I'm going to bench you today. <laughs> yeah, right? It's an organization <laughs> of power-hungry individuals mm-hmm. that all, other than the owner, recognize there can only be one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the owner's like, there can be... There can be as many as I say. I'm P.K. Ridley. The stadium's named after me. Gum is named after me. <laughs> My gum empire shall never fall. Juicy fruit can go die. <laughs> oh, zebra strike. Don't get me started. <laughs> Big red. <laughs> All right, Westover, give me one. Big league chew? Oh, that's, that's two like, on the nose. That's like baseball specific for children. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Trident. All right. So, turn, ah. <laughs> thank you. Turns out the other coaches did not bother to help out whoever was the head coach at the time either. They would just leave them to fend for themselves. So as soon as one head coach was deposed, they'd just be like, all right, you're you're on your own. So there was no coordination (laughs) between these guys? Between the assistants either? Not even a little bit. I'm fascinated how this operates under a transactional basis. (laughs) Who who gives the final approval? You have to have a majority vote, but it's an even number. So (laughs) PK Wrigley gets his own vote. (laughs) Whoever chews gum the best. (laughs) Whoever chews the most sticks Who can blow the biggest bubble? (laughs) That's right. Keep chewing, you slobs. Oh, no. So this led the Cubs to uh, finish with a record of 64 and 90 in 1991 and the worst records the Cubs have ever had in 1962 which was 53 and 103. <sighs> that year they finished ninth out of 10 teams in the National League. The only team worse than the Cubs were the first year expansion New York Mets who lost 120 games. Oh no! Yikes. The oh no! Other first year expansion team, the Houston Colt Forty Fives. What? Yes. My God. Before they changed their names to the Astros six years later, they were the Colt Forty Fives. They should go back, right? Oh my! I just put that in there because I liked the name. Seems so much. like a hot button topic. Yeah, Not right. In Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so the the first year Colt Forty Fives finished six six games above the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So they finished in between the two expansion teams in the National League. Well, the name like Colt 45. You know, they they had to be good. It sounds like a Peyton but Manning audible. 
Colt 45! Colt 45! Oh my! <laughs> All right. Uh, so the Cubs were in complete disarray, which led Wrigley to name one member of the college, Bob Kennedy, as manager for at least the next two seasons. <laughs> at least? No. Uh, you'll have your job for at least... Two, two more years. Yeah. I, I promise not to replace you with eight other people in the next two seasons. I promise. It might be nine, but mm. uh, but this marked the end of the College of Coaches, and the experiment was officially abandoned in 1965. Uh, Bob Kennedy turned the col- the Cubs around in 1963, and they finished 82 and 80, hey. the only winning season during the College of Coaches. <laughs> You know what? We'll take it. That's positive. <laughs> That's results above right 500. there. That's above 500. <laughs> By a game, yep. but it's above 500. <laughs> and this brings us to the summer of 1964 and the trade that started this episode. So let's talk about Ernie Brolio. First of all, he has a cool name. Yeah. Um, he had a breakout season in 1960 when, at 25 years old, he led the National League in wins with 21 with an ERA of 2.74 and a whip of 1.202. How are those numbers, Westover? The ERA is pretty good. I feel like the whip's a little high. For the 60s? But it's also the 60s. Yeah, so, who knows? Yeah, lower that whip a little bit, and uh, we have ourselves a deal. And <laughs> we have a bargain. Uh, he finished third in Cy Young voting that year, and ninth in MVP. Uh, he had a down year in 61, but bounced back in 62 and 63. Uh, I think he went 18 and 8 in 63. So he is a Pretty solid starting picture. Played a lot of games. Yeah, that's a lot of full games. Yes, yes. Back then they threw a lot of pitches. Mm -hmm. Um, So people were astounded when the Cardinals traded him to the Cubs for an unproven commodity. Sports writer for the Chicago Daily News, Bob Smith, said this the day after the trade: "Quote, thank you, thank you. Oh, you lovely St. Louis Cardinals. Nice doing business with you. Please call again anytime." Unquote. It's a bold, that's a bold statement. To say one day after the trade. That's how good they thought this trade was in the Cubs' favor. I love that you just said thought because I'm starting to think that maybe. Maybe. It's and not. since we've been talking about the Cubs so much, <laughs> they messed up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what Chicago didn't know at the time is that Brolio had a rather significant elbow injury that yes. he sustained just in 1963. Yes, about Tommy John's. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're throwing all those games. Too he actually you don't had have Tommy John's. He had ulna nerve surgery, so surgery on a nerve on his bone, like oh, the next year. My God. So it's Tommy John adjacent mm-hmm. there. So Brolio would only win seven games for the Cubs before retiring in 1966 at the age of 30 due to injury. Ooh, Cubby, my boy. Yeah, that one hurts for that, sure. That—that's you know, if only they had hopefully eight the coaches, low names player didn't Just, do anything, or good. any doctors on the team. <laughs> we can't. We need a doctor. That's, that's we can't afford a doctor. The trade. We have eight managers. <laughs> we can't pay any doctors. Aren't any of them a doctor? <laughs> nope. Uh, so the Cardinals received Lou Brock three days before his twenty-fifth birthday. Brock had been a disappointment for the Chicago Cubs. In the 1963 season, he batted .258, and he didn't seem like he had progressed enough in his three seasons in the league. Part of that could have been attributed to the College of Coaching nightmare, um, but Brock was skeptical of that from the start. He claimed it led to player insubordination, and is quoted as saying, quote, 
The trouble was, how did you know who to be insubordinate to? Unquote. <laughs> I'm going to reject like, the authority I'm of someone. I'm going to rebel, but I don't know who against who. I'm an MLB player in the <laughs> '60s. I'm going to do me. Yep. Uh, so, with a new situation in St. Louis, Brock flourished under manager Johnny Keane. Mm. Good guy. Maybe I don't know. Actually, if he isn't. I take it back. I don't know. I'm just saying. From things. what I read, he was, you know, all right. I'm a pretty good guy. Oh, Didn't read anything bad about him. He's all right. Uh, so Brock started the year betting 0.251 with the Cubs and ended with a 0.348 and 33 stolen bases in 1964. Okay. His impact was immediately felt as St. Louis won the World Series in 1964, where they beat the Yankees in seven games. Ooh, Ooh. that sounds like a great series. Mm-hmm. But this was just the beginning. Brock would go on to join the 3,000 hit cl- Hits Club and become the greatest base stealer of his generation with a then record of 938 stolen bases. Woof. His record would be broken by Ricky Henderson, but Brock remains in second place to this day. That was uh, counting I mean, Rose's stats? Wait, is Ricky Henderson the kid from uh, Backyard Baseball? Um, Pete Wheeler? No, that's Pete Wheeler. You know, <laughs> honestly, I didn't know I was headed in that direction until you until got I there. Said that. Oh, yep. It might be confusing because there was no pauses. Yep. Uh, but that's just how uh, my brain that's works. That's how talking works. <laughs> no, Ricky Henderson is the most prolific base seal of all time. Uh, Lou Brock is in second place with 938. Uh, Ricky Henderson has about 1,400. Wow. Yes. So there is a big deficit between first and second. Um, but the Cardinals would win the World Series again three years later in 1967. So, the Cubs of the early 60s were a huge disappointment. Before they traded Lou Brock, the Cubs had four Hall of Famers batting back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Lou Brock batted second, Billy Williams third, Ron Santo fourth, and Ernie Banks fifth. So they had four Hall of Famers batting back-to-back, and the, they still weren't successful under the weird College of Coaches choice. Ooh, this sounds like poor management. <laughs> Some would say mismanagement, for hey, sure. Guys, they said the name. They, they said the name of the, the pod. The thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> so the Cubs wouldn't manage a winning season again until 1967, when they went 87 and 74, the same year that Brock would win his second World Series with St. Louis. Yes. Yes, it was unfortunate. I feel like I threw that page too quickly. I feel like there was another thing on here. There was. So, Brock and Brolio are forever tied together because of this trade. Brolio passed away on July 16th, 2019, and the Chicago Tribune article was titled, Former Cubs pitcher Ernie Brolio, who was part of the famous Lou Brock trade with the Cardinals, died at 83. Wow. (laughs) You know, putting my opits... (laughs) Just anyone else. <laughs> Just please, please talk about how bad my my career move was oh. in my obituary. Ooh, it wasn't even his fault, though. right? Um, but Brolio always seemed in, uh, to be a good sport about it all. On the 50th anniversary of the trade in 2014, Brolio said, "Quote: It's always nice to talk about that trade. I don't mind. At least they remember who I am." Unquote. Aww. 
That's like a sad old man thing to say. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> At least they remember who I am. Well, yeah, he got traded and then only won seven more games in the major leagues before he had to retire. Yeah, no, that does suck. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, that does suck. But, okay, I give it to him. Fair I'll enough. Give it to him. Fair enough. He's got it. Uh, here's an interesting tidbit. When Brock passed away in September of 2020, a story resurfaced online about Scott and Negro League manager for the Cubs, Buck O'Neill, saying that back in 1963, there was an unspoken quota about the number of black players that an owner wanted on their team. So the Cubs already had Ernie Banks and Billy Williams, two of those um, Hall uh-huh. of Famers. Yeah. Um, so apparently having three black players was one too many. And allegedly, general manager John Holland told Buck that fans were complaining that the Cubs were turning into the Kansas City Monarchs, which the Monarchs were the longest-running franchise of the Negro League going um, from 1920 to 1930. So Lou Brock also being a black player, some speculate that that's why he was traded for such kittens. Yikes. Mm -hmm. So that story hasn't been fully validated, but it could put put a new spin on the Brock Fabrolio trade. After all, the Cubs didn't integrate until 1953, six years after Jackie Robinson made his debut with the Dodgers. Oh, can you imagine being six years late to the party? Right. Oh like, my goodness. No, you're going to have to drag me to not be a scumbag. And then the fans complain about it. They're like, we have too many black players on our team. I mean, honestly fans today still complain <laughs> oh about gosh, it. Like, people are the worst. Oh, have you seen some of the comments about people in the Myers Leonard thing being like, ah, he's just said some things. Oh, yeah. It's like, that, wow. That was also a train wreck. People are garbage. <sighs> yes. So, Lou Brock played 19 seasons in the major leagues. He has 3,023 career <coughs> hits. Bless you. Ooh, thank you. With 149 home runs and 900 RBIs. He has 938 stolen bases, which is second all-time, and was a six-time All-Star. He was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1985, and that is the story of Brock Fabrolio. Wow. I like it. That, uh... There's a lot to unpack there, Cubbies. Right? Yeah, no, the 60s was a wild time for baseball. Yeah, poor Bill Murray. (laughs) Big Cubs fan. Um, Thought I'd just name drop him. Yeah. A lot, a lot of Cubs fans out there. They got their chip in 2016. They should be fine for another one. 100 years. They got their one. Yeah, they'll be good for another 110 years. <laughs> so They're hardened. <laughs> they're, they're jaded towards this life. So I got most of my information from a few articles. Uh, an article on BaseballHall.org by Alex Coffey called Lou Brock Traded to Cardinals. And two articles from the Chicago Tribune, both written by Paul Sullivan. The first is former pitcher, former Cubs pitcher Ernie Brolio, who was part of the famous Lou Brock trade. <laughs> the Cardinals dies at 83. Uh, the Opus. Yep. And the second is Cubs great Billy Williams reflects on the Lou Brock trade. Uh, quote, it would have never happened today, unquote. And quote, the golden age, quote, of baseball. Uh, the rest came from the ever important Wikipedia. So that was that was something that I didn't write about. But Billy Williams was basically like, yeah. There are way too many doctors for this trade to ever happen today, and it would have been voided as soon as anybody looked at Ernie's arm. God bless the lawless wasteland that was the 1960s. Yep. It worked out for the Cardinals, for sure. Throwing it back with some smooth jazz. Ooh. 
But now that we've presented one of the worst moves in MLB history, we're feeling fairly comfortable and confident in presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help to make their professional decisions. Uh, decisions. Woof. That's so right. Well, that's the rum. Uh, <laughs> Josh, you're on a roll, as always. Kick us off, my guy. All right. My dear GM this week goes out to the other Chicago team, the White Sox GM, Rick Hahn. Rick. How's it going? <laughs> you guys have been busy so far this offseason. What with bringing in pitcher Dallas Keuchel and new catcher Yasmani Grandal. 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 Thank you. That was the one name, of course, I didn't it, look up. Say it like it's a, a liquor bottle at the top shelf of the bar that you're trying to pronounce, but partially you don't know how to pronounce it, partially because you can't see all the letters. And partially because you're drunk? Yeah, I wouldn't even attempt it. I'd just point I, to it and be like, that one. If you're drunk and buying top shelf liquor, <laughs> bitch, you shouldn't. Okay, I'm just going to say, you shouldn't. if you're drunk, you shouldn't be buying top shelf liquor at that <laughs> That's point. Right. That's a good call. Uh, so yeah, you brought in that catcher to join your young core. Uh, you've been ingress- aggressive, and I'm impressed. Uh, your team is looking up this year, but I think you guys could use one more nice addition. Now, most of the big names from free agency are gone, but there's one guy sitting out there that I think you should be interested in. Outfielder Yasiel Puig. The 30-year-old Puig is rumored to be in talks with San Francisco and Tampa Bay, but it doesn't look like anything is going to materialize. I think Puig would be a nice addition to the lineup. And that you guys are building, and it will be another chance for you to show the people of Chicago that they should be rooting for the Sox and not the Cubs. Stinking Cubs. Oh, the stinking Cubs <laughs> ruled by committee, those Cubbies. <laughs> Best of luck, Bell Grum. Here you go. Today, I'm addressing Brian Cashman. Oh, you should probably have a second half of this. GM of the New York Yankees. Spring training's in full swing, and baseball's on its way back, which means players are working back into game day shape. The downside of this is also if a player pushes too hard, they can get injured. And this year, there's been a higher number of injuries putting players' opening day status into question. Specifically for the Yankees, Zach Britton just got injured and is on the shelf for about a month as he has surgery to remove a bone spur from his pitching elbow. Gross. Yeah. Go Spurs. (laughs) Well, not those ones. (laughs) The Tottenham Hotspurs. Yeah, because I don't like San Antonio either. (laughs) Any other year, it would be fine for the Yankees because their bullpen's been just loaded with Britton, Adovino, and Chapman. But Chapman's getting old and hasn't (laughs) been as consistent in his more recent years, which is why Britton and Adovino were brought in. Britton's now out for a month, and where's Adovino? You traded him to the Red Sox. (gasps) Did you guys forget... Did you forget you traded him to the Red Sox? The socks that are red? Not the white socks, the other socks. The, the socks that didn't cheat in the 1919 World Series? 1919, eh? Shoeless Joe. <laughs> With spring training on the way, most teams underway, most teams aren't going to be looking to trade away any like major bullpen pieces or anything because they're evaluating what their team needs. So I, don't know, I, I don't know. Have you asked the Cubs yet? Cubs might be willing to blow everything up. That's fair. <laughs> Out in free agency, Shane Green is still waiting to sign with the team. He was a Yankee draft pick in 09, spent time with the Yankees here and there before being a big trade piece to the Tigers. 
And he spent his go last Tigers. Not those Tigers. Yes, those Tigers. No. The Detroit Tigers. Go <laughs> Not Tigers. LSU. Thank you. LSU, boo. <laughs> boo LSU. Boo Les Miles. Boo, boo. anyone boo. else with the, the Tigers. No, he didn't quit. No, he, he got released. Oh, he got cut. Because, yeah, you catch yourself. We're not going to talk about it here. Catch yourself yeah. up on that story. <laughs> I just saw he wasn't a part of whatever school he's with. Yeah, Kansas. just you read about it later. Right. <laughs> but Shane Green's last few seasons have been his best seasons with an ERA at 260. Mm. At 32, you could get him for a reasonable price, but also you're the Yankees. When does price matter? Ooh. <laughs> New York. With a name like Cashman. <laughs> yes. He's made of money. Oh. The Yankees the have rain. been <laughs> The Yankees have been close to winning in the last several years, but they need to, need to stay healthy and find the right pieces to get over that hill. Shane Green could be one of those pieces. Well, I'm inclined to believe you. I don't. <laughs> Just out of principle. Well, yeah, we need a well, you know, a balance. So. <laughs> we need differing opinions. We on need this a well. Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm addressing St. Louis Cardinals Jim <gasps> Mike Gersh. They were just in the story. I know, we have a lot of crossovers mm-hmm. here. The NL Central is looking like it will be yours for the taking. Your only real competition will be the Brewers and the Cubs. <gasps> as much as we're saying it, they which not even that much competition, but they could. You know, it's <laughs> they baseball. Might surprise it's you. baseball. Yeah, they can yeah. do something. Uh, but it's really only the Brewers and the Cubs, as the Pirates are abysmal and the Reds are actively dismantling their roster. Constantly. They took one big swing for one year, and it didn't work, and they said, screw it, <laughs> they said, burn Oops. it down. <laughs> burn the whole organization they made a down. Mistake. Uh, even without making moves, you got a good chance to walk into the playoffs. Uh, however, the National League is stacked with talented teams, i.e. the Dodgers and Padres in the NL West and the Braves and Mets in the NL East. Uh, your only way into the playoffs is by winning your division. No yep. one in the NL Central is going to get in on a wild card. Oh, no. Um, so why not solidify your playoff chances and bolster your roster to more effectively compete in the postseason? Your big need, as I see it, is replacing Colton Wong, who left for division opponent Milwaukee, which would allow Tommy Edmond to return to his role as a utility utility player rather than starting second baseman. Uh, therefore, I propose the following: uh, go out and get Mike Mustakas. Ooh, big moose! You could probably get him in some cash considerations in exchange for some minor league youth talent, as the Cincinnati is looking to rebuild and is looking to get rid <laughs> of some big contracts. Get out of here and uh, get some youth into their rebuild. The Reds have been openly testing the market with him. Uh, they recently signed him to a big deal, but he underperformed last year. And so now with the rebuild, they're trying to just get rid of him. So that gives you a lot of leverage. And you, probably, <laughs> you could offer them anything. You could you could get the cash. You could get Mustakas. You just got to get rid of a few, few prospects. prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mustakas can still play at a high level. And his being shot by the Reds is more indicative of the direction of the franchise than I think <laughs> it is of his actual talent. Um <laughs> So just the fact that he's being shopped and being shopped cheaply, I don't think that's negative. Yeah, no, he's still a good player. He just the team doesn't love him anymore. They could use the cash that the Rockies are paying them in the Nolan Arenado trade. Exactly. Because woof. So much money. And that's the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please. Unlikely. Sp- well self-deprecating humor. Well, please remember to give us a like or a follow. If you want, maybe I guess. even leave a review. <laughs> if you're, if or you're just a couple of sad boys. 
You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to podcasts. And also, exciting news, we are now a member of Blue Wire Hustle. Cha-ching. A Blue Wire podcast uh, new program to help incubate and grow uh, little baby podcast little like baby ourselves. sports podcast like us it could be you <laughs> it, it, it is us <laughs> look at us look upon my works ye mighty we are yeah no we're getting big heads for we sure. are the sports podcast version of ozymandias and i'm here for it <laughs> i don't think i fully understood the purpose of that poem <laughs> Wait a minute. um i don't think any of our listeners know what that is william Blake, i don't tiger, know what that tiger. is the dichotomy of man go tigers go tigers oh bless but please end this. in the words of pulitzer prize winning author george quill quote baseball it is said is only a game true and the grand canyon is only a hole in arizona mm. unquote <laughs> what so dumb this man dedicated his life to capturing human emotion and he won a pulitzer <laughs> he won the pulitzer yes Probably for this quote. And for this for quotes. For this quote. <laughs> Is there a Pulitzer for quotes? Because this man should have if one. If there's a Pulitzer for quotes, I'm going to spend the next six months just writing one-offs. <laughs> just saying <laughs> random nonsense. Profound. It's kind of like buying a bunch of lotto tickets. I believe in you. Thanks for listening. And remember, this was Mismanaged. May. Bye.